the sickest part about it is that it's very easy to hide how disordered your habits are because they look like you're just really disciplined or really health conscious, especially, you know, with the rise of the wellness industry at the same time. They're applauded. Yeah. And it's hard to change a behavior when you're getting applauded for doing that behavior. Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out with me, Katie Dalebout. This week on the podcast, I have a conversation with my friend, Helen Phelan. Helen is a body-neutral, intuitive Pilates instructor and the founder of a digital Pilates and mindful fitness platform called Helen Phelan Studio. She is an ex-professional dancer and an eating disorder survivor. And Helen and I obviously have a lot in common, and not that I was a professional dancer, but I do have the other one, as you might know. Um, Helen and I connected in New York, and we talk about how we met a little bit in this episode, and her approach to movement based on her experience with diet culture and how it keeps people stuck in this bad body image loop, and it makes them dread exercise, but exercise can actually be really mood boosting and stabilizing. And her methodology with movement is this really non-harmful post-recovery format that has been really helpful for me. So we have connected and collaborated several times. You might remember she's actually been on the show before, which we mentioned at the beginning of this, this summer, because we did four workshops together over the course of the pandemic starting last spring and we blended movement and journaling together the mind and the body in this way that I found really nourishing and useful so if you want to we had a different theme for each of those workshops and one of them was about anxiety one of them was about transitions one of them was about pain And so two of those workshops are now available for the replay if you weren't there in person and you want to watch the replay. We were going to put it on our website and sell it, but we decided to just make it free. So if you want to use those classes and and do them, they're available for you. The link is in the show notes to watch them and use them. And I would love to know what you think. This week's organization that we will be supporting and want to bring attention to is the Asian American Pacific Islander Community Fund. So now more than ever, we want to stand in solidarity with Asian American and Pacific Islander communities to condemn the recent and ongoing violence and do whatever we can to bring about lasting change. So we'll be donating to, and I will be personally donating to support the AAPI Community Fund. The link is in the show notes. Donations received by this fund will support organizations that empower the AAPI community with initiatives, including increased community safety and support for those affected by this violence. This is an incredibly important cause, as I know we're all 
hearing about the horrific and heartbreaking surge in violence against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders that is happening across the U.S. Too often these attacks are ignored and unreported, so the link is in the show notes to support the fund. Again, this episode covers movement and our experience with diet culture and eating disorders, but we also talk about what's been going on with both of us. And we talk about communication and patience and bodies and romantic relationships. There's this really sweet moment at the end where we talk about saying I love you and new relationships. And it's a wide ranging conversation that we actually recorded a couple months ago. So you might hear some references to the upcoming election and where we were in the pandemic, you know, maybe two months ago or so. But everything we talk about is current and I am so excited for you to hear my conversation with Helen. Stick around to the end for some announcements, but most of all, I'm just really happy you're here and that you're listening. So thank you. Enjoy my conversation with Helen and I will talk to you at the end. My dear friend, Helen is here and Helen and I, Helen's been on the podcast before in a little short snippet because we were collaborating on something and we wanted to tell you together. But now this is Helen's show. (laughs) This is Helen's episode. (laughs) So we met in New York City. We're unclear what year it was, maybe 2018, 2017. What do you think? I feel like it was 2017. Yeah, it had to be 2017. Yeah, a while ago. And Helen was teaching a fitness class that was myofascial release, correct? Yes. Yes. And I'd never done that before. And it was on the roof of a no longer existing co-working space. And it was so lovely. Like, I think there were only three of us and we just really connect. I think we took a photo after and we just kept in touch in like an internet sort of a way. Turns out we have many mutual friends and we ran into each other on the street at least once, maybe several times. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was multiple times because I kept, it kept being like, oh, I should text her. I should email her. And then I would like see you. And at that time you were you were traveling a bunch already even then. So you'd be like back in New York for a day and I'd be like, let's get coffee. And you'd be like, oh, I'm leaving to Europe the next day or something. So we kept trying to connect and it was like musical chairs. Yeah. I remember very clearly running into you in Union Square and like saying hi. And and that's kind of like my lucky sign with people. Like I love (laughs) running into people. I think it's really kismet and special and meaningful or I choose to think that. I'm into it. What was funny, and I kind of want to lead into talking about right now as we talk about you, is you invited me to a new fitness class that you were doing or that you were like about to start teaching, I think. And (laughs) it was somewhat high intensity and I really wanted to go and I had just hurt myself. And the reason I had hurt myself. I spoke about this in the episode with Savala Nolan, who I think you might know. She's wonderful. She's done our mutual friend, Christy Harrison's podcast and obviously mm-hmm. mine. But she and I spoke about this of like, I was really sad. And um, Helen and I also are both eating disorder recovery people, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll get to. But we were talking about me coming to this class and I had to say no, which was a big win for me Recovery wise, (laughs) because A, I wanted to come to my friend's new class and B, it was, you know, something that I was like doing as a hobby then, but I was walking down 
from my apartment in the East Village to Tribeca to do the class every couple of days. And if people don't know what the class is, it's this pretty high intensity workout. And, and I was going to say that's that, that can be hard on your body too. Yeah. And if people don't know how far the East Village to Tribeca is, it's like not that close. (laughs) (laughs) So I was doing that. And like, that was such a large chunk of my day that it was just clear that like, that was problematic. And I think in quarantine, I look at that of like, all of the time I spent to and from fitness classes, deciding which fitness class to take, taking a fitness class, organizing my week around fitness classes, feeling bad about myself if I didn't go to a fitness class. Can I get two in today? My budget around fitness classes, like it was pretty wild. (laughs) You know, like it was pretty (laughs) full on. And at the time I would have said it was self-care. And then, you know, traveling put that out the window completely. But I remember getting to Australia at the end of this trip that got cut short and being like, okay, well, now that I'm in Australia and I speak the language here, I got to get to a fitness class. And the first thing I did was like, I went to a bar class and hurt myself, <laughs> like, mm. completely fully hurt myself. Sometimes your body just like steps in and is like, please listen to me. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I was doing so much physical therapy in New York City because of these injuries of just like overuse. And so mm-hmm. I would love to just jump in there on like, bodies and pain and kind of life before and after quarantine and what's coming up for you and your clients around bodies and pushing ourselves and feeling self-conscious and anything that you're feeling about that. Oh yeah, I could go a million different directions with this, but uh, I think the thing that sticks out to me most about you know my relationship and my client's relationship with movement in 2020 is this like social media idea that like we have to fight the the quarantine 15 or whatever they're calling it. And like, it's so damaging the, you know, the the hashtags about it and everything. It's I I've done a good job up until this point or up to this point, you know, cleansing my feed of people who post like Fitzboe type things. Cause I find it really distracting from the actual importance of, of movement for your mental and physical health. But I mean, my clients are are still talking to me all about it all the time. As you're saying, as an eating disorder survivor, like these are things that are are not absent from my mind just permanently, just because I'm in I'm in recovery. I think the big difference between you know being being in it and being in recovery is is just having the tools and the knowledge to to go another way. Uh, so even though I, I am anti-diet and I do intuitive eating and I practice intuitive exercise, it's been stressful, certainly for me this year. And I, you know, I think everyone with a body has had uh, some tough moments purely, and maybe it's speaking more to my city people, but purely just because even if you are exercising every day, still, you're not commuting. New York is such a walking city. There's, I record a class almost every day. Like I do at least 30 minutes of Pilates almost every day. But just the fact that I'm I'm now basically a desk worker, whereas I used to go back and forth from Brooklyn to Manhattan four times a day. It's just a different type of relationship with your body, if that makes sense. So I've basically been telling myself and my clients to just be really patient and gentle with ourselves and try to 
find movement that you enjoy so that it doesn't get into that like nasty self-punishing type of place. Yeah. And I think it's a slippery slope right now because we are, like you said, for a plethora of reasons, you know, it's, we're also dysregulated because of the pandemic. We're also, I think I'm obsessing about certain things more, maybe to obsess about some bigger things less, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's a really tricky, interesting time. So take me back before that. Where did you grow up? What were you like as a kid? What was your relationship to food and your body like back then? So I grew up in South Jersey, about 15 minutes from Philadelphia. Growing up as a dancer, it was great because I was two hours to New York and 15 minutes to Philly for any time I wanted to you know, go to auditions or, or take classes with bigger deal companies than my little local dance studio that I, of course, loved. But I started dancing when I was three. And that was such a gift in so many ways. I adore the art form. And I feel so grateful to be able to understand my body and in a way that's so unique to dancers. And I know you talked with Jules about that, about what being dancerly is. And it's I love Jules' work because it's a tricky thing to teach and she does such a, a great job of it. So I, I feel so much gratitude for the fact that dance has always been part of my life. Yeah. But the flip side of that, the shadow side of that is that the ugly side of the industry also reared its head many times. And, you know, I don't blame dance exclusively for my disordered eating past, but it was one of many factors in my life that caused me to get obsessive and and rigid about food. So I did end up majoring in dance in college. I went to Elon in North Carolina, and then I moved to New York immediately after graduation. Uh, Not too long after that, oh, and I studied Pilates at at school. So part of the dance major was a big somatic theory program. So I actually did an independent study semester studying classical Pilates in college, which is cool. And like, you know, unique to not a lot of other people in, in the industry. I've, I've heard about the opportunity to do that. So another thing I feel super lucky for, but it was never, it was never my plan to teach. I always wanted to perform. I moved to New York with the intent of being a professional dancer. And I was briefly, but I got injured. And that's when I, I circled back to Pilates. That's how I, I really rehabbed my foot. And it's funny, you were talking about overuse injuries earlier. That's, that's really what happened to me. It wasn't like some dramatic fall or accident. It was just overuse, overtraining, under eating. And the fact that I was so disconnected from my body and not listening to any, all, any of those warning signs that I danced on three stress fractures for a month to the point where I, I should have just been out for a few weeks. And I ended up being out for close to six months. And it was like I was saying before, pretty much my body being like, we're trying to talk to you. It's time you listen. And if you don't pay attention, we're going to find a way to get your attention. So I did PT. I recovered from that injury and I, I did start dancing again, but at the same time, I was also teaching more and more Pilates. And I just started feeling, I don't know, just, just more fulfilled teaching than I expected that I would. And feeling like my skin just wasn't thick enough for the dance world at that time. Like so much of it is just your resiliency. And I had just started going back to therapy and it was, it was just a little too much for me at the time. 
I like to think like in another lifetime, I, I would have been able to be in that industry in a way that wasn't harmful for me. Uh, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't right. And I turned out, it turned out that I, I actually really loved teaching and that was kind of like this limbo period that I think I've discussed with you in the past before, where I went from like what we think of as disordered eating habits to what looks like wellness. And I'm not yeah. sure if your audience is, is familiar with, with orthorexia and it's, while it's not an official eating disorder, you know, according to medical people, it is still very harmful and, and dangerous. And the sickest part about it is that it's very easy to hide how disordered your habits are because they look like you're just really disciplined or really health conscious, especially, you know, with the rise of the wellness industry at the same time. They're applauded. Yeah. And it's hard to change a behavior when you're getting applauded for doing that behavior. So I'm I'm trying to think actually when I, it might've been through you and your podcast actually that I discovered Christy Harrison's book and the whole black hole of, of anti-diet stuff on Instagram. And that was really meaningful for me to see wellness through that lens. And I, I just didn't feel like I could go to sleep at night with a, a clear conscience and contribute to that problem. So I, I really started examining the way that I teach and the, the messaging that I use around fitness. I'm so happy that, I mean, I'm honored if Let It Out was a part of that, but I'm so happy that you found that and that I think the fitness industry and the wellness industry are kind of the people who need the anti-diet message Mm. most. And, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm really happy that you're part of the fitness industry with that knowledge from Christy and from the work you've done on yourself and your personal experience. And because my experience has been really the opposite with most of the fitness classes that Mm -hmm. I was obsessively going to in New York City and elsewhere for years. And, you know, some of the, we've talked about this a million times, but the phrasing and the cueing and the, all of it, it was so intense and damaging. And I think that having a safe space to come and move, and if you have a history like I do, is, and you do, and a lot of people listening to this do, is really important and necessary and just really useful. So what has the response been and how has how have you been during the pandemic, basically? Like you had to completely change your life. You moved. I really want to take this time to talk about... Helen and I have taught four workshops together. We did one early on in the pandemic and it was really well-received where we merged journaling and movement together. And then we decided to do a series over the summer focusing on three themes, transitions, anxiety, and pain. And we kind of talked about pain a little bit and how we move through pain and we ignore our bodies. And I think that's a very disordered eating tendency of like ignoring the body. And I do that now a lot of like not eating enough, drinking too much coffee, somewhat accidentally, you know what I mean? And like... Mm -hmm ignoring when I need to go to the bathroom. Like I really have to remind myself to do these like very basic self-care things. And I think in quarantine, it's even more important. And anyway, so that was, you know, where we talked about pain of really like getting in the body and feeling something and not running from the pain, like allowing yourself to feel emotional and physical pain as you grow. 
And then we talked about anxiety, which I want to touch on. But another one, the theme about transitions, I would love to know like how you're personally handling this transition now. You know, you're you're getting married soon. You had to move out of New York City. You had to completely change your business. What's going on for you emotionally? And what I've seen as your friend and as someone who's like known you for a while, it feels like this time you've really leaned into your work in a way that has allowed for some really big growth. But I'm curious how that's felt emotionally. Definitely intense. It's been, I think for everyone, a roller coaster of a, of a year. And I feel like it's definitely been incredibly difficult just managing how much those feelings fluctuate. But I also feel incredibly grateful to have had the safe the safe pandemic experience that I have had. My partner and I are both healthy. Our lease was up in in June. So we ended up leaving Brooklyn, which was super bittersweet, but it's such a gift to be upstate and to have all of this space and and nature and, you know, trees to breathe in. It's such a it's a very healing environment to be in given the state of the world. Um and yeah, it's been, it's definitely forced me out of my my comfort zone business wise. And of course, I've been sharing stuff on on Instagram in the last few years. But I I, I was an in person teacher. Everyone, every fitness professional was really. Uh, and I had toyed with the idea of doing online stuff before. And I actually even uh, one of my friends is a videographer, and we we played around with recording some videos like back in November of 2019. And then I totally chickened out. And I was like, no one wants to see this. Like there's too much, there's too many bigger brands doing online fitness anyway. Like, no one's going to listen to this or, or pay attention to this. So I totally worked myself up and let imposter syndrome deter me. But the, I think it was the, the weekend before the studios officially closed, my fiance really saw the writing on the wall and he was like, stop doubting yourself, just do it. So I recorded a bunch of videos that weekend. I think I did like Pilates all day <laughs> that Saturday and Sunday. And I started on Patreon and I've since created my own app since then. But Patreon was a really great way for me to just get it out there and see if people were interested in it. And I mean, I don't know that we'll ever be in this type of scenario again, but it was a, a perfect storm and everything kind of aligned the way that it it needed to for me to push myself to do it. I think you are such an example of pivoting, which so many people in different professions have had to do. And you did it so gracefully. And I'm so happy that this exists and you know has really been positive for you. I'm curious, going back to the body image conversation, what has this brought up body image-wise for you of you know being on camera and filming and just being becoming more public because you've been featured in some really big media over the last several months, which is so wonderful. And I'm wondering if that's brought up anything body image-wise for you. Or do you feel like you've really healed beyond that? And that I'd love for you to talk about either way. Uh, I, I think both. You know, I think it's both highlighted the ways in which I've healed when I catch myself being kind to myself and being really, what's the word? Like just flexible and understanding and not having such high expectations of perfection. But there are, of course, always still moments of feeling like it's a struggle and having 
a bad body image day is not something that I that I know that I'll ever grow out of. I I know that there are more days than not where I'm having good body image. I don't know if the camera thing really had a ton to do with it just because I am I've always been kind of comfortable on camera just because I've been on stage since I was a little thing, but it's harder to be like the 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 talent and the videographer and the editor and all that stuff. So there is definitely more opportunity for picking yourself apart that I've just had to breathe through. What do you do in those moments on you know what I call a bad body image day or moment to help you? What helps? So I know it's so cheesy, but I love affirmations and I love gratitude. So I do think that like just in general, my happiness has been able to be maintained at a a higher scale or a higher, more more happiness. I don't know if I'm saying that the right way. I've, I've been able to maintain being happier by practicing gratitude regularly. My good night ritual every evening is before I close my eyes, I mentally list off three things that I'm grateful for about the day. And so I'll, I'll take that into the mirror if it's something that I'm struggling with body image wise. So I'll try to find three qualities about myself, whether they're, you know, physical, professional, emotional, and remind myself that there's, there's other stuff, even if I'm, if I'm doubting the reflection I'm seeing in the mirror or, or having an insecurity that there's, I I can feel those things both at the same time, which reminds me of that really great exercise that you had us do. I think it was in the the first workshop that we did where we wrote down like all of our, our tough emotions. And then we wrote down all of our, our, all the things that we're thankful for. And we looked at them next to each other. And it was just such a, a nice way to let it integrate that multiple things can be true at one time. Yeah. And like the duality of, of our world, like I tend to be someone who, and I wonder if this is a tendency that's, often associated with disordered eaters like us. I know control is, but I'm wondering if extremism is too, because I tend to be... I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to be an extremist and an idealist and a romantic and nostalgic and I analyze and somebody gave me the advice. I was spiraling about something not body image related at all and not eating disorder related at all. I feel in a better place with that to the point where I was able to kind of, she gave me the advice of like, think about this situation as if it were a food situation where it's like, should you eat the sandwich or not? You know, like that, that level of chill that I'm, that I've come to now, you know, I wasn't at even recently, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And applying, taking that, take using yourself as your own expander of like, I see my past self and where she couldn't do this, but where I can now do it and I can mm-hmm. apply that to this situation. And that's been useful to me, even when things are still hard. Totally. I do think that, you know, I've, I've been in therapy for many years and I'm a big, I promote therapy to, to strangers that I meet on the street. But I do think that while I've been practicing intuitive eating for a very long time, the last several months have been an opportunity for me to really feel like, like I get it, if that makes sense. Like it's starting to feel more natural. It's starting to feel more like 
just this is the way that I eat now versus something that I have to overthink, like you said. And in the past, it was like, okay, I know that this is the nice thing to do for myself and I, I want to do it this way. But because I've been cooking so many meals and we have more groceries in the house than we've ever had in the past, you know, in, a, in our Brooklyn apartment, we would just like go pick up what we needed that night or do a lot of seamless up here in the middle of nowhere, 20 minutes to the nearest restaurant, we've had to really cook, which has been also really therapeutic to just build in these moments of, of ease and pleasure and sensuality around food in a way that I haven't experienced a lot of in my life. Mm, I love that. I know. I think that groundingness of like, for those of us who food was such a big deal, right? And I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of people it is, you know, and it's joy and pleasure and connection. And a lot of that joy and pleasure and connection is removed just by restaurants not being what they once were and are. And even dinner parties and even like, even that has changed. And then, and then Christy Harrison, I, I happened to interview Christy, who we keep talking about, host of the Food Psych podcast and author of the book Anti Diet and a very close friend and mentor of mine. She said to me, you know, she was eating a lot of like canned foods at the beginning because we all weren't really growing to the grocery store as much. And that was a whole thing. And, and she was like, you know, not every meal is going to be a taste sensation either. Mm. And just like eating yeah. to eat. And, you know, there, there's been something that's shifted with me recently in my eating disorder recovery where like, or just noticing my patterns of like, when I'm sad, I tend to turn to food more. And when I'm happy or distracted or yeah, like addicted to something else, be it work or be it a success in work or something that's like really consuming mm-hmm. or be it a, a, this really pretty much is exclusively true in romantic relationships for me. Like when I'm <laughs> infatuated with someone else, I use that as a drug rather yeah. than food. You know what I mean? And so totally. this has happened again and again and again. And I'm aware of it now. And I try to combat it a bit by like making sure I'm eating enough. Um, but it's a slippery slope because there's the high from the dopamine of oh, but like, I actually do like the result of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's um, an exercise in the intuitive, the official to intuitive eating workbook that has you, that I, I do with my clients sometimes. It has you list out like your emergency foods, your emergency snacks and dinners mm. for those times when you don't necessarily have a lot of will to cook or mm. any desire to eat, but you know that you still need to nourish yourself. Like what are these easy things that I always have on hand? They are painless to put together yeah. so that you're never in an opportunity to, to restrict or, or numb out that way. Wow. That's so interesting. I, I've actually never heard of that, that exercise and that would be really good for me to do. Because that's definitely my tendency, and to and to know to see that pattern, and I think the pandemic was a a really good exercise for me. Of like, I was one of those people who never kept any food in the house. Mm-hmm. I was always out. I was always out to dinner. I would maybe like have some breakfast things and snacks, and then traveling. It I lived that way. You know, you don't have a yeah. fridge when you're traveling, and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, I have to cook. I have to <laughs> if I'm gonna have hot food, I have to make it, and. You know, that was a real learning curve and turning point. And 
trying to cook and then cooking for other people and cooking for myself. And yeah, it was, um, I'm saying was like, I've like mastered this and (laughs) no, I get it. Chef in quarantine, which is not true, but I have, we all have eaten more in and cooked more and cooked more for other people in the last six months than I have in my entire life combined. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And you know that I think this is a particular time for, for everyone, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. for eating disorder recovery, you know, and I'm happy we're talking about it and checking in uh, about it on the show again after that episode with Christy that was, you know, back in March. So yeah, I, I just, I hope everyone's doing okay who's listening and I hope people are feeding themselves and nourishing themselves in a way that makes sense and is both nourishing and finding pleasure. And it's just a lot. And I think we have to prioritize our self-care and self-preservation and figure out what that means each day, which is, you know, vastly different I'm finding from day to day for me. Yeah. I think that is really the lesson of, of quarantine is I've had to really practice getting into the flow of my intuition in every aspect of my life. Whereas before it was definitely, you know, exercise and food were the lens in which I was looking at it. But now it's like, okay, if, if, you know, just because it's Monday doesn't mean that I'm going to be the most productive today if my body is just not feeling it. And for the first time in my adult life, I have the flexibility to decide I want to take a midday nap or not work for, you know, the eight hours that is a traditional nine to five. It allowed me to lean into like a little bit more of like my menstrual cycle and what Mm. Yeah. During which phase I'm, I'm the most productive, and when I need to to pull it back, and use that as a way to, you know, approach everything that I'm doing these days. Yeah, I think more than ever, more of us get to be in charge of our own schedules and our days more, and so we can, for some people, not for everyone, but mm-hmm. we can lean more into those sorts of things that weren't really feasible before because of different structures. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I find that space both, I need it creatively and also it blocks me (laughs) creatively, you know, Mm. um, and emotionally like having too much space. I don't know where to begin and I don't do much at all. Having not enough space. I'm like, why start? Because I can't get it done, you know? So I need this like Goldilocks amount. And Well, I think that's what it is, you know, like I also, I have days where the pandemic hits me, all of it. I'm like, I, there's no way I could be productive right now. I'm, I'm experiencing a full body trauma with the collective of the rest of the world at the same time. And then there are other days where I'm like, wow, I'm doing this, this, and this, and I'm able to fly through my schedule and it, it all just comes so easily. Whereas I I think that those days it comes easily because I let myself not check out, but I let myself do self-care on those days when it's it's too much. Yeah. And I think that's just, I get really apathetic the day before my period comes. Like I get really, really sleepy that day. Mm. And what I've noticed this time is I'm also having a, a consistent period for the first time in years. And Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, I really kind of feel like a teenager in, in many ways. And <laughs> it's... <laughs> 
it's interesting to notice my patterns and to notice like, oh yeah, I knew I get tired, but also emotionally, I like, I don't care about work. I do, it's, I have to like really push myself th- that day. And if I have something that I have to do, like, like this podcast or, you know, I mean, <laughs> this I love doing, but like, you no, know, it's still an agenda on my, item. on my calendar. Yeah. Then I, I, I push myself and I do it because I, I stick to my word. However, if there's anything I can change or don't have to do that day that doesn't involve another person, I don't do it. And like the other day, this this happened actually. And I, I went over to my friends and we were going to like, I, I'm kind of in like a pod of people as you know, Helen, of like people I used to live with. And I went over there to co-work. We we're going to like work on this project we're working on together. And I ended up just being like, I need to lay on the ground. And that's what <laughs> happened with that. I just laid yep. in their driveway for a while. And then we watched a movie that I fell asleep at the second they put it on, you know? And like, that's just what, that's the way the cookie crumbled that day, you know? And I think yeah. to just like know that there are other days I'm going to be sparkly and great and get, and sometimes I'm floored by my level of productivity where I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> how the fuck did I do all of that? You know? So it's just kind of like it ebbs and flows and we don't, every day doesn't have to be consistent. I'm real excited about this week's sponsor, Jenny Kane. Jenny Kane is the brand that not only makes my favorite slippers I've ever had in my life, and I never want to take them off. My friend Carolina is staying with me right now, and I've given her the slippers while she's home at the apartment, and she agrees they are very luxe. Jenny Kane makes these effortless and elevated home and wardrobe timeless classics essentials. They have these inviting neutrals that focus on comfort without sacrificing style very, very chic. They make, you know, knits that you're going to be obsessed with or these slippers that, you know, I like really don't want to take off. And I just really love going to this website and going through all of their cozy and classic pieces. And, you know, they'll keep you warm for right now, but also can go into the spring and something that you'll really invest in and have for years. So again, I love their slippers. They make these really great knits and It's a simplified brand that can go with a lot of other things. So I think there's really something for everyone. They make these mules that are like their signature thing that are leather and suede or shirling and they're really classic. And they make these fishermen and cocoon cotton sweaters that are lightweight and really luxurious and you know, can go for any sort of dressy or less dressy look that you're going for. So check them out. Let me know what you like on their site. I would love to know. And what I think is cool about this brand is they believe that getting dressed should be a really easy part of your routine. And they make these polished basics and home pieces that really don't go out of style and you can have for a while to make getting dressed a bit easier. So you might already have something from them or, you know, a pair of shoes from them that's like well-worn. That makes sense. And now you might want to try them out for the first time because I have a discount code for you. You can find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and get 15% off when you use the code Let It Out at checkout. That's Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. And the promo code is Let It Out. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about this app that I love called Stereo. Join us every Thursday at noon for a follow-up show 
I'm calling it So I Meant to Ask You, and it's when I bring previous podcast guests back on the show and friends of mine, and we have a vulnerable conversation. I am loving stereo. I'm going to be talking on there a lot every week or more. So get notified every time I go live, follow me there. I would really love to connect with you on this app. Just download the stereo app and follow me at stereo.com slash Katie Dalebout. The link will be in the show notes and I'd love to talk to you there. I want to talk about anxiety. The, the one of our um, workshops that we did together yeah. To you, what's your relationship to anxiety and depression and mental health and how does movement and fitness play into that? And just kind of where are you with that now? So I was diagnosed with, with anxiety and depression, I think either my, my junior or my senior year of, of high school. And it, it runs in my family. Uh, and this is interesting years after my eating disorder diagnosis. I don't know why it didn't happen at the same time, but yeah, it's just kind of been, I don't remember a time not feeling anxiety. But I will say the last five or six years since I started going to therapy again, and that coincides with when I I became a full-time teacher, teaching like public speaking every day, all day is like exposure therapy for social anxiety, let me tell you. (laughs) And I've, I've spoken with a lot of other instructors about this, that you know, when you get your certification, you learn how to teach one person at a time. And then you go to audition at a studio and they're like, okay, now we teach a group class. And you're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a dancer. I'm silent on stage. I have no idea how to be in front of people and communicating with them verbally. And so it was messy and awkward in the beginning, but I really feel like I had to do that to come into my own a little bit more. And I think part of it is just early twenties are, are messy for everybody regardless, <laughs> but it was crucial for me at least. And I will say, obviously this has been a year where anxiety flares up quite a bit. And I wish that I could handle watching the news more regularly, but I know that I need to just like get in, get out, get my Cliff's Notes version just so I am informed, but I, I can't engage with any sort of news media really since since March. <laughs> yeah. Just knowing what knowing what works for you is really important in mental health wise, food wise, relationship wise. It's it's really no small thing. Um mm-hmm. speaking of relationships, you're engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I would love to talk about romantic relationships a little bit and any greatest lesson you have on romantic relationships and, and what you've learned. And what you are learning? Well, I, I, our relationship, I think, is I, I think that I, on some level, attracted my partner because communication is such a a wound for me, feeling like I can't be heard. And so, of course, I fell in love with someone who is English as a second language. <laughs> so, for me, the the lesson I think is that I've learned through like setting in settling into a long-term relationship and and building that trust and you know security that didn't really exist in any of my previous relationships is just trusting that you know like that person's not out to get you or to hurt you they want the best for you and even if we have a hard time communicating it to each other in the same way or in a way that the other person can understand right away if you trust in that hopefully the re- the relationship that you're in that person wants the best for you it 
makes me at least less like trigger happy with the the reactions. Yeah. I can imagine it's a large exercise in patience. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's funny because, you know, his English is is so good. So I I often forget that it's his second language and he, yeah. he's French for anyone uh, wondering. And he doesn't he doesn't have an accent or I guess he does to other people, but I just am around it all the time, especially this year. So I don't, I don't hear it anymore. So then when we have these funny little miscommunications, I'll, I'll be like, what? how can you not understand what I'm talking about right now? But it is, yeah. it's definitely a good lesson in patience. Are you trying to learn French or do you think you ever will? I am. I am. I actually took French all through elementary, middle and high school. And oh, then wow. it was so just weirdly coincidentally, my aunt is also married to a Frenchie and they've been in Paris for my whole life. So, Ooh. or outside of Paris, my whole life. So I have all these cousins that are dual citizens, American and French, but I, I dropped French in college. I originally wanted to be a, a French minor, but I was a double major in dance performance and choreography and psychology. So it was just like, I, I needed to drop the French in college and I lost all of it. <laughs> And then, of course, two years out of college, I, I fell in love with a French guy. So it's, I've been taking classes, but it's, it, it's the type of thing where I just need to be there and practice. Yeah. Wild. How did you guys meet? We met on Hinge. We met online. Really? Yeah. I think I knew that, actually. <laughs> I think I've asked you that. What do you oh, yeah. think of, of online dating? Like advice for like, like do you think it's, you know, I, I haven't really done it much, but I... Really? Wow. It's like, I don't know anyone who's not online dating. I know. Dude, tell me that. I know. I mean, it obviously worked for me. We're getting married and I'm I'm thrilled about it. But I I understand the hesitation, especially because when we met, it was like very early 2015. And I guess like people were still online dating then already, but I, I hadn't been yet. I was only two years out of college and I was very afraid of it. I thought it made me look like desperate or... Me, like sad and lonely, but my friends ended up convincing me to do it. And I really, I didn't do a lot of it. Like, I think I went on one other online date before Yannick, like a few months before, no, two, a few months before. And it was kind of a dud. And then I, you know, like I kept the apps on my phone and I would swipe through sometimes when I was bored, but I didn't really talk to anybody. And then I don't know. Why, why? I mean, he had a very cute profile picture. So there's that. <laughs> but and maybe he, you were expanded by your aunt. Like she was your expander. You didn't even know it with like. Uh, well, that's French funny because I've, I've always, since I was little known that I was going to live in France and yeah, he just, he kept messaging me and he was super persistent. And I remember thinking, okay, he actually, he might be like my soulmate or he wants to murder me <laughs> either way. He's yet to murder me. So it's it's working out. Oh man. Wow. Well, this is a delight chatting with you. Let's end with some fun quick fire questions. How do you sure. feel about that? I feel okay. great about it. Best thing you've eaten in quarantine or in the last week, whatever you want to tell me. Okay. So we've been eating a lot of homemade bread, which I know is like so <gasps> cliche in quarantine, but oh, I've been eating bread at every meal and it is just so satisfying. <laughs> Nothing is more satisfying to me actually. Um, Savala, who we were talking to, who we were talking about earlier, um, we, I always pick an emoji at the end of the episode. And I remember the bre- the emoji was bread and butter that we, <laughs> we were talking about, like how much we love bread and butter and how that was something that 
she said the answer to her question was bread with butter and honey. And she mm. was like, that is something, those three things, sugar, bread, gluten, honey, fat. She was like, these are yep. all things I would have not ever allowed myself. And it's such a sensation of pleasure um, that she denied for so long. So it was just yeah. Like, I mean, I posted it to my Instagram story today, actually, about this, a plate, my empty plate, just saying, like, there's just nothing more satisfying to me than a runny egg on a really thick piece of homemade bread with a little salt and pepper and some hot sauce. Just, oh, it's heaven. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. You are someone that I think does social media so well and are growing so rapidly. What is your relationship to social media? Do you have boundaries with it? What has helped? It's it's always in flux. Um, I watched the social dilemma documentary on Netflix and was horrified and terrified. <laughs> um, so I've I've since turned to like all the notifications off every app in my phone because I, it is easy for me to get caught in scrolling for no good reason. On a perfect day, I I get in there, I post my thing, I engage with commenters a little bit, and then get off. But of course, I'm a human, and sometimes it. <laughs> I end up lurking on someone I went to preschool with cousin, you know, but <laughs> as so, we do, as yeah. we do. <laughs> but yeah, ideally I, I do, I get on, do what I set to do. And it, part of the, the beautiful, beautiful thing about it is the fact that it is, it does connect us as long as we don't let it substitute the real connection or feeling like we don't need to, talk to people in real life because we have on Instagram and that's the, you know, the downside of it. But I, I wouldn't have met so many clients. I wouldn't have, I think, I think that's how I found your podcast. Like there's so many things that social media has brought me that like, I'm hesitant to say it's evil, but it's, you know, everything is duality. Yeah, fully. I mean, I think my friend, someone who's done the pod, friend of the podcast, Marley Grace wrote this zine a couple of years ago that was called How Social Media Gave Me a Career, Introduced Me to My Best Friends, Helped Me Meet the Love of My Life, and Made Me Want to Die. You know, because mm. it's like there's duality in it. It's all of those yeah. things. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Greatest lesson on friendship? Hmm. I think that it's okay to outgrow people, which I really struggled with at the beginning of my twenties, especially since I was like a sorority in college and this idea of like friends forever. And there are people that I, I very much love still that I just don't need in my life on a regular basis because we change and you're not able to bring the same things to the table or what you're bringing to the table isn't what that other person needs anymore. And it does, it isn't a reflection of you not being worthy or lovable. It's just, what is that saying? It's like, a season is it's like a friendship for a season or something. I, I you know what I'm talking about. I, mm -hmm. I can't remember what that that saying is. A season, a reason, or a lifetime. Yes, yes. <laughs> so cheesy, but so true. Just like yeah. all cliches. Yes, yes. Greatest lesson on spirituality, God. What do you think happens when we die? Where are you with that? Uh, <laughs> well, I was raised Roman Catholic. That's a lot to to unpack. I definitely don't identify as that, but there's still you know, a lot of, I think, just Judeo-Christian conditioning in deep in, in my psyche. I, I would consider myself agnostic. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm, always, I'm always doing research on that. I don't know that I'll ever settle on one belief. 
Yeah. Yeah. Same. Okay. Well, this is really just a way to recommend things. So favorite, all-time favorite, or just ones that you've been you know, liking lately, book, music, podcast, writer, food, TV show, movie. You can do all these categories. You can do <laughs> some of them. Okay. So it's coming to mind. Book right away is The Joy of Movement by Dr. Kelly McGonigal, I think is how you say her last name. I recommend that book to everyone who's trying to rework their relationship with exercise because she just goes so deeply into the neurological and psychological benefits to movement. And she doesn't talk anything about losing weight. She doesn't talk about anything about you know body changes. It's all about the actual health reasons, not aesthetic reasons why why movement is so connects us so much and and is so important to us. So I, I think everyone should read that book. Great to know that it's ED safe. I didn't I didn't know that. I think there should be like a seal that goes on books. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I tr- I try to I do my best not to recommend things that are of course, yeah. But you know, I'm I'm not perfect at it. But yeah, it's it's phenomenal. What else? So many categories. I think podcast. I've been listening to the Conspirituality podcast, which is oh, it's quite yeah. dark. My it's, friend just <laughs> said that to me last week. It's it's oh, I think has a lot of mutual friends as you. Um, are you talking about Michelle? No, actually, because <laughs> I heard about it from her. <laughs> I heard about it from a different mutual friend of ours. But anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is you know also dark, and you have to be in the headspace for it, but. And it's so fascinating how how the wellness industry has become very like you know what what's the word uh, you know sections of it have become super alt right and it's definitely something that we need to be conscious of. Yeah, fully. Wow. Anything else? Uh, TV show, movie. You mentioned one food. If you want to mention another, um, food. Uh, any, I love the Kunick goat brie. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's K-U-N-I-K. Um, it's from a little upstate farm, but they sold it in Brooklyn. Um, that's where I, I discovered it. And it's just so good. I never let myself eat cheese before. And now I, it's like one of my main food groups. <laughs> Same. I, I owe that to spending a big chunk of my summer last year in, in Paris. And yep. French people will do that to you. <laughs> yep, yep. We did like a blind taste testing where we went to some market and they all were like, uh, made me close my eyes and see if I could decide which cheese I was oh, eating. Oh, I could never do that. I would I'd just be like, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was trying to learn, but you know. <laughs> any other movie, TV show, any other art you want to recommend or person you want to shout out? Person I want to shout out. I'm sure I'm going to like hang up and be like, oh, I should know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Just text me. <laughs> okay. Not, not that I can think of off the top of my mind. All, although I will say, talk, circling back to business stuff that we talked about, um, Michelle, I, I, our friend, uh, the creator of Holisticism, was a big... She's a, she has all these online business courses and that was such a lifesaver and helping me feel like I had the tools to get out there and start the business online. So if you're in an intuitive business or in the wellness world, you should definitely check out holisticism. Yeah. And she's just like a really good person. And I think mm-hmm. both of us really, there's something about when the work is good, that's great. And 
when we know that the person behind it is, she's been a, a really big supporter of Let It Out and, and you as well. And that makes me really happy. Well, you know, as you know, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So did you get to share about everything that you wanted to? Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that you never get to or that you wanted to let out? Well, I, I'm pr- a pretty big oversharer on social media. So I tend to not feel, feel pent up. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I definitely believe in the power of letting it out for sure. I know I think that all that's left is just to remind people that, you know, I work in the fitness industry and I made, I made my app with everything that we've talked about in mind and that I, I really want, I am starting to see a shift in the fitness industry as a whole, but I, I made Helen Phelan studio because I wanted to create a space where movement could be more about more than just losing weight or fitting some beauty ideal that our body is not genetically designed to be and where all shapes and sizes could feel, yeah, like it's a safe space to move and to enjoy their bodies. And also, of course, in response to the pandemic and, and having to figure out a game plan for keeping movement in your life at home without getting it to that kind of problematic place that we talked about earlier. Yeah, that problematic place. That is the... <laughs> That is the thing we're running from. I love that. I love that you're also a overshare like me. I mean, I don't I don't know what I think about oversharing. My my friend Christine and I her last name's her name's Christine Nguyen and and we have the the Wi-Fi, which, you know, it's not great, but my Wi-Fi network now is hold it in with Christine <laughs> in the passwords Christine Nguyen, because she was here when I was setting it up. And I think I could use, I could stand to hold things in a little more because I'm so hard on my sleep, like in my real life, you know, I think in, in my work, it's fun. But in my real life, I could like, I forget that I'm not podcasting with like people I meet or I'm like trying to date <laughs> and I'm just like, tell me everything and I'm going to go right in, you know, and it's something actually in Paris. I had this date when I was in Paris last summer with an American person who just lives in France, but it was so bad because, you know, I think my experience of my friends in, in France, and I'd be curious to know if this has been your experience, it's like, a li- takes a little bit longer. And it's not just jumping right in. It's talking about like the world and what's going on, not necessarily our feelings day one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny you say that because I actually, the I've said, I love you first. And I, I blurted it out. It was like, I'd been feeling it for like a few weeks and I was holding it in because I didn't want to be the first person to say it. And so I was leaving his apartment one morning and he was walking me to the bus stop and I just went, love you. Bye. And then I looked at him like horrified that that just words on the back of my mouth and I sprinted away. from him. <laughs> And then we just didn't talk about it for a month until he was like, I love you too. And I was like, are you kidding me? But yeah, that's definitely so yeah. funny because I did the same thing with my ex-boyfriend, like the last long-term boyfriend I had and I, I he was leaving one morning and I had to like get to like a family baby shower and was rushing and I, I just you know I say I love you to like customer service people yeah, you know so I was just like okay bye I love you I'll see you when I get back and then I was like instantly mine was different I was like <laughs> oh no actually uh, I, never, I mean you know what I mean I don't not love you but like and he was like I know it just slipped up. It's okay. And it was like the third, it was like our first sleepover. Like it was oh, not, God, yeah. it was very early on. And I just got into my car and was like, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like it just happened to more people than not. It's just like, girls say I love you easily. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's not not (laughs) genuine. Like it is, but it's, yeah, it's complex. Dude, you're amazing. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Okay. So we end by taking a deep breath together. Are you ready? I'm ready. Inhale. Exhale. Let it out. (sighs) Oh, I needed that today. That felt better. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. Okay. I'll talk to you later as pals. And also people... We're collaborating and people should really check out our workshop that is now digital that we have together and we would love for people to take a peek at. So all the info on that is in the show notes. Yes, very exciting. That's this week's episode with Helen. If you learned something, if you like this, share it and follow Helen. And if you're new to her, get into her studio and everything she offers. She's clearly really wonderful. And again, I'm so grateful that you're listening. She gave me her favorite emoji, which will be the secret emoji to comment on her Instagram and my Instagram and let it out's Instagram, which is let it out with three T's. And if you want more let it out, feel free to sign up for the let it out letter that sends the show notes right to your inbox and also essays and updates and links from me. So The link to do that will be in the show notes and share this episode with a friend. If you found it interesting or learned something or it made you laugh or feel less alone, share it. That helps the show a lot so I can keep doing it. And if you want more where this came from, download the app Stereo. It's this conversation app that is new and I've been loving and I I'm on there every single Thursday for an after show. It's a live after show called So I Meant to Ask You, where I have previous guests of the podcast come back on. They might be guests I interviewed years ago. Helen's going to probably do one this week. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, Julia Tertian is back and we are having a conversation, a post-show conversation. So it's a live conversation app. It's really easy. Just download it. Follow me follow let it out it's just me and hear me talk with julia so you can also join the conversation by leaving a voicemail which is fun and you can actually to be honest with you no one's ever done that so if you do download the app leave a voicemail and then i can talk to you during the during the episode which would be cool no pressure on leaving the voicemail but I would love to talk to you in the stereo show. Thank you again for being here. If you like this show, share it, leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. I'm still still asking for reviews after, oh, it's been eight years since I started this podcast. I started it in March of 2013. So that's really wild. And it's still the greatest thing I've ever done. I'm so grateful that this platform exists and I've gotten to communicate with so many people all over the world through the people who listen to the podcast through the people who have been guests so i'm just happy birthday let it out if you want to start a podcast i have a podcast kit that i highly recommend that i'll put the link to in the show notes and we can make a birthday code for that if might as well i'll make the birthday code after this so just say birthday and you can get 20 percent. we'll say off of the off of the kit if you want to do it Anyway, happy you're here. Love you. Helen's favorite emoji is the sparkles, like the three sparkles. I'm sure we've used that one before because I also really like it. But as a little inside trick, I was going to say joke, but a joke that's not funny. A little, a little secret. 
comment that on her Instagram, comment it on my Instagram, comment it on the Let It Out Instagram to let us know you're listening all the way to the end. Again, really grateful you're here and I hope to talk to you soon. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We have an archive of over 300 and some episodes, so dive on in and I will talk to you next week.